Alrighty, and I think it might make sense for us to open up with some verse that could be inspiring to the listenership. What author did you choose today? I chose one of my favorite authors, Little Wayne. Let's share some of that. <clears throat> I don't fantasize, I mastermind, and then I go after mine. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. All right. Yeah, buddy. Welcome to Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and all those in your immediate or extended circles, depending on how successful your business is. Today, I'm joined, as is per the usual, by my captain, my co-host, a man who thinks hot car, not hot pants, when you say the word Capri. Welcome to the program, Ian. And if you guys stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to share with you four things we didn't want to buy, and then when we finally copped to it, we found that these uh, items improved our life. So we're going to talk a little bit of a uh, consumer style at the end of the episode. First, let's jump into the news. Thanks to everybody who's sending in their pictures for our Who Wear meme section on our website. I really like to see photos of the listeners listening to this podcast from all around the world. Ian, we're throwing a party in the Philippines June 18th in the Philippines at Bad Lads Adventure Resort. Are you pumped up about the party or what? Yeah, buddy. Getting ready to get on a flight pretty soon here. It is. Uh, we are recording on Monday. I get on a flight this Sunday. I will travel to China for a couple of days, and then I will see you in Bali. We'll be there for about a week and a half, and then after that, we are off to the Philippines for several weeks. So this is super exciting. Usually, I don't stay in uh, Asia this long, but uh, I guess you finally got to me, and uh, we're going to actually make somewhat of a... Um, a serious event out of this. I mean, we're going to have a little shindig here. Uh, some of our employees are going to come down. We've got some friends coming over. We're going to be hanging out at Bad Lads, which I'm really excited to visit. I've never been there. You talk a lot of smack about it. Yeah, buddy. Times are a-changing. Times are a-changing. I think the audience senses the the power switch that's happening here. Asia, man, it, it, it's, it's making this compelling case. It's convincing even the old stalwart CEO to get on an airplane Don his backpack and enjoy the adventure here in Southeast Asia. So I don't want to do too much future talk, Ian. That'll give us plenty of fodder in the future. We've got a bunch new iTunes reviews. I want to thank Elizabeth Froment uh, for saying she loves the podcast. Five stars to Jay Colby Wee. What a fantastic find. Five stars. Great podcast from Nandra. Man, I've been on the phone with Nandra, and he's the real deal doing the lifestyle design thing in South America. And thanks to Bodeker, a lifestyle entrepreneur's dream podcast. Five stars, buddy. Boom. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. We got a question today from listener David from Greenback Tax Services, one of our long-term listeners. Had an incredible event the other day, and I've got this on audio, Ian. His two-year-old son saying, yeah, buddy, of his own volition, after having listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, buddy. We're infecting the youth, Poor man. David. Poor David. David says, any ideas on how to compete with a copycat? we got a competitor who is literally copying everything we are doing, including the same ads. Any thoughts you've got to welcome? Well, first off, get a little bit pissed. The second thing you got to do, I think, there's one thing that you can't compete with, Ian, and that's you, your personality, 
I think people, especially in like professional industries like taxes, you know, David's in our financial services or business consulting, oftentimes they're so scared to put themselves front and center because that's not traditionally what professional services have done, you know, focused on the personality, focused on. But when I go to a website, Ian, like what's going to set that website apart for me isn't any longer like three clean uh, value propositions and maybe a few stock photos, man. I want to hear from the CEO of that organization about what his values are. I want to say, hey, that's the kind of guy that I would want to do business with. So my suggestion is immediately out the gate, Ian, is do podcasts, do video, do things that allow people to develop a relationship with you. They're going to trust you. They're going to want to do business with you. You can't copy that stuff. I mean, when you look at Somebody, Chris Ducker gets copied all the time by his competitors, but they can't compete with Chris Ducker. Well, why? Because they can't be who he is. And if you're hiding behind a website and a couple sentences of copy, that's not enough for people to develop a relationship with you. So let's say that you've got some competition and they're copying everything you do. You put out a video, they put out a video. And say your competition's maybe even a little bit more charismatic. You know, what do you do? Oh, boom. Well, this is this is a tough one. I mean, I, you know, in general, I think you got to go for the top end of the market. That's one thing you want to avoid in these situations is sort of having a race to the bottom. Now, of course, if you if you know the exception to this, um, it's a different story. If you've got scale or if you've got a business plan and you're smarter than me, that's cool. But in general, if you're a small business person, you want to do a race to the top. You want to bundle your services. Uh, you want to find ways that you can charge more than your competition, not less. If your competition is more charismatic than you, I think you need to focus on, I have no idea. What do you, you got an idea for that? Well, I just think about some of the big brands out there, right? Like I think about Nike and Reebok, K-Swiss, you know, some of these brands. Like Nike doesn't try to copy anybody. Everybody tries to copy Nike. Yeah. Right. In a lot of ways. So if you're the top dog and you know you're the top dog, it's really important not to acknowledge your competition, even if they are copying you. I think it's really important not to acknowledge them. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, idea. And I think it's also important to kind of innovate, you know, in, in any way that you can see, because it's really expensive to innovate. So if you can afford to innovate, then your competition's going to have to be able to afford to innovate as well. So you don't really want to get into a spending match, I don't think, but I think it does make sense to to innovate as much as you can. Some ways you could do this is like drive your inherent cost down, you know, rather than making produce videos, you know, why not just like set up a spot in your home that's like really great lighting, turn on that $200 flip cam and jam out one minute long videos that solve specific issues. So let's just say, for example, let's amplify your strengths and not focus on your weaknesses. If you happen to have a competitor who is this, you know, amazing personality on video, big deal. I mean, I say, find a way that you can figure out what your strength is. Maybe you can figure out a way to produce more videos faster. So your videos are actually going to be more relevant. You know, people aren't necessarily looking to be entertained here if they're trying to solve their tax problems. So the very fact that you're showing up, you're showing that you have an earnest, like workmanlike approach, that's fine. I mean, I think what you need to do is get the content out there, get it out there fast in such a way that people know who you are. You know, if I'm looking for a financial services guy, I don't necessarily need the most charismatic guy. I need the guy who is in a way that I see as trustworthy and consistent answering my questions. So anyway, I'd say number one, publish, publish media that allows people to trust you. And number two, get in a race to the top. Find ways to bundle your services so that you can provide the top price point products in your market. It doesn't hurt to have your little two-year-old son saying, yeah, buddy, in your videos. It does either. not hurt does not hurt at all. Ian, what do you say we get moving on to the meat and potatoes? You know, there is still tons of talk four years later about the four-hour work week and the impact it's had on the blogosphere. And it sort of had an interesting impact on the blogosphere. Sean Ogle wrote a post the other day that got me thinking, Ian, and I want to talk a little bit about it. 
basically there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of haters who are hating on the bloggers who are inspired by the four hour work week. Let me tell you something, sort of an effect, it's like a side effect that the four hour work week had on the blogosphere, which is it basically convinced a lot of people that didn't yet develop entrepreneurial skills that the entrepreneurial way of life is one that's highly desirable. So basically what a lot of people started to do is like they didn't have entrepreneurial skills, but they started to like sort of blog them way, themselves into it because they, they looked at the benefits and they said, damn, like if I start to like start a business that allows me to be location independent, like the, the, the benefit of that is so incredible. It's sort of like glorified um, the sort of value that you get from being an entrepreneur. And I think in many ways, rightfully so. So a lot of people read the book and they're like, oh man, like I need to be an entrepreneur because I get to do all this incredible stuff. So where do I start? They start blogging and what it ends up is a lot of people start to come across as a little bit of a charlatan. And there's a lot of hate inspired by that. And I don't like that hate because I, I like to see people trying to do better in their lives and stuff. And I, I really take on Sean's point there is, so you got to go read Sean's article. But anyway, my point also about the blogs here, Ian, is if you don't like a blog, why are you going to hate on it? There's a million other there's a million other opportunities out there to go read incredible blogs. Let me list off some incredible blogs, Ian. Why don't I do that? Just real quick. We'll link you to everyone here. Let's hear Spashandmarshall.com, MyEggNoodles.com, RibbonFarm.com, FoolishAdventure.com, RidiculouslyExtraordinary.com, Tynan.com, Sivers.org, SmartPassiveIncome.com, Fluent in Three Months, Man vs. Debt, Sovereign Man, This Week in Startups, MicroISV on a Shoestring, Startups for the Rest of Us. Man, that's just a beginning. There's so many incredible blogs out there. Why would you waste your time on somebody that you don't vibe with? Why don't you go to myeggnoodles.com? Why don't you go to sebastianmarshall.com? Find somebody that you can really sort of attach yourself to. Here's the thing. I think that there's three misconceptions at the four-hour work week. Number one, the four-hour work week, I don't care. Uh, you know, I disagree with you if you don't believe it is an extraordinarily useful and inspiring book for entrepreneurs. I don't agree with people who put this book down, Okay. Uh, I think this is, I've read a, a gazillion business books, and this is one of the best business books I've ever read. So if you haven't yet read it because you, you're pissed off about um, the way it's been portrayed in the blogosphere, please put that aside and go read the book. It's fantastic. Number two, I've yet to hear one useful or thoughtful critique of the work itself in the blogosphere. Everybody's talking about Tim Ferriss. Everybody's talking about how much of a scammer is. Everybody's talking about all the bloggers that he inspires. Nobody is addressing the work itself. It's fantastic. Please do go read it. Number three, and this is where I'm going to speak my piece and then I'm going to be done. Criticizing Tim Ferriss because he inspired some blogs that you don't like is like criticizing the New York Yankees' ability to play baseball, saying they're not a good baseball team because you don't like the way their fans behave. It's BS, it's not clear thinking, and it's keeping you away from an incredible book, you know, that, that could inspire a new way of doing business for Ian and I. It inspired the whole thing. I mean, we would not be in business right now if it weren't for this book. Maybe we, we would, but in a totally different way. How does the four-hour work week sit in your mind, Ian? It's been four years since you read the book. How does it sit for you at this moment? It still sits at the top of my list. I think that's one of the things that we were just talking about before we turn on the microphones here is we're counting back to when we started our business around 2007. So this book is still super relevant and I just can't believe like how relevant it is. I mean, I just I just feel like a lot of things in there are, are timeless. Yeah. And so I really enjoy Actually, I've gone back and read it twice. And then uh, some guy on the plane had the new version. So I started to read some of that. So, I mean, it's just I can't get enough of it. I think it's a really good book. You know, it's interesting that you say timeless. 
it's got this incredible mix of like timelessness, but also timeliness. I mean, that book came at, at the right moment, you know, in terms of like the Skype technology that was required that we, you know, our business depends on, our lifestyles really depend on Skype and, and related technologies, um, things like Google Docs and stuff like this. It's like allowing us to do this. So um, anyway, you know, I don't want to be too much of a scenester, Ian. I know, like, I read all these blogs, and I sort of take it personally sometimes, and I, I want to sort of have a voice. And anyway, I don't want to drag too because this isn't helping anybody grow a business. Here's what's going to help people grow a business. Here are seven reasons we pe see people getting inspired by the four-hour work week, but then subsequently failing with their business advent uh, ventures that are inspired by that book. So here are some things that we think you know, you could address. If you see these problems in your ventures, if you address them, maybe you'll have some more success. Success. You ready to get moving here, Ian? Number one, you don't take it seriously that entrepreneurial skills and experience are the number one way to achieve a location-independent lifestyle. Now, I've often said out in the blogosphere, Ian, that the absolute best way to learn entrepreneurship is to go work for an entrepreneur. Yes, that's right. I'm suggesting that you get a job if you want to be an entrepreneur. You know, I don't like this idea of people who work 10 hours for corporations and then they try to like learn how to be an entrepreneur in the two hours that are left with their day. Why not take a little bit of a pay cut, go work for somebody who's doing what you want to do, somebody who you admire. If you don't know how to do this, check out Charlie Hohen's brilliant approach. It's called, it's a video at the TEDx conference called Free Work and where he espouses this approach of helping out people who you were interested in. Now Charlie Hohen works for the man himself, the godfather, Tim Ferriss. He's his personal assistant. And if you don't think Charlie Hohen's going to be a great entrepreneur someday because of that experience, you don't understand how this stuff works. Another example, look at all of Jason Calacanis, the people that he's mentoring. Now everybody that you know we were reading about working for him two years ago, like Tyler, Steep Decline on Twitter, he's got his own startup now. This is the kind of thing, I think this mentorship is such a high bandwidth way to learn. A lot of people, you know, they're either got the corporate gig or, you know, they, you know, when we read the 4-Hour Workbook, Ian, you know, we were in this entrepreneurial organization. And so we already had the skills ready at hand. But you and I were also both working for mentors and entrepreneurs for the last 10 years, basically. I know I have been ever since I started to get a job. I mean, I always went after people that were doing things that I thought were interesting. I mean, I've never had a job doing something that I didn't enjoy. Right. That's a great principle, which is... Take your job so seriously. A lot of people, they get into this lifestyle design thing because they hate their job and they're like, screw jobs, I'm never going to have a job again. It's interesting, Ian, when I look at my approach, it's been the exact opposite. I always put 100% into my jobs. Like I was always trying to be the best employee, not the worst employee. And I think that when you match that attitude up with jobs that are you know, allowing you to interact with successful people, allowing you to learn directly from them, Boom, you've got a killer cocktail. Number two, you are continuing to seek permission from those closest to you. This is a tough one that I still even challenge with, Ian. You know, there's no success narrative for what we're doing. Even some of the people in my life aren't sure about whether they don't even see me as successful, Ian, and I often feel like I'm trying to justify myself to them. Well, you know, it's not crazy that I'm living in Bali. It makes sense for us, you know? But some people don't believe that because it's not like something that's ready at hand for them. It's not like, hey, I'm a doctor. And it's like everybody in your life then can turn around and say, Dan's a doctor. And everybody nods their head and they're like, yep, that's successful. That makes sense, you know? <laughs> it's like nobody gets what we're doing. And that's why part of this, this podcast is so great for us because we get to network with each other and meet each other and say, hey, like, you know what? 
this is something that is that is legitimate and it's something that makes sense but you know what i think this whole idea of like people always trying to sell what they're doing to their family and to their friends and trying to justify their own existence it's harmful because these people they're not going to give you the right away to become someone new they're not going to be able to take the time to understand it the way that you're taking the time and by constantly trying to sell this stuff for them you're asking too much of them and there's a high probability that you're just going to derail your plans so i mean i think you definitely got to stop seeking permission and there's a dual problem with this ian is when you tell people what you're going to do you're less likely to do it as listeners to this yeah. podcast well know we're constantly saying what we're going to do and we never do it so we just got to stop i think it's super cool too to try and explain to people what you do i mean it's like so uh so what do you do well i have these businesses and in bali and the philippines and china and san diego and you know, all this stuff is going around and blah, blah, blah. And you sit there for 10 minutes. I mean, you know, really smart people and trying to explain, you know, the podcast and how this kind of relates. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense to them. And I mean, I've had this conversation with people for a couple of years and it still doesn't make, you know, sense what we're doing. But somehow there's like money in our pockets and our, you know, bank accounts and whatnot. And we have employees. And that's kind of cool because uh, maybe I'm just not explaining it well, but I think it's so different than what is uh, normally going on. Uh, for most people that it's very interesting uh, for me at least and I think it's kind of um, it's kind of exceptional in a way that we're not seeking permission from anybody because nobody really understands what the heck's going on <laughs> if you feel like I mean if you feel like you're at the edge of the track at the end of the tracks conceptually and you're just hanging out there and like everybody's looking at you like what the hell's that guy doing and you're looking around and like nobody understands what I'm doing but it's I'm getting some traction here know that you're not alone like that is the entrepreneurial moment you're gonna be alone on the stuff and because you're alone you're gonna be valuable so stop asking for permission from everybody around you that doesn't understand how this stuff works number three it's related buddy you have no friends who are doing what you want to be doing dudes and dudettes Stop trying to do this thing alone. It takes forever, forever to get a business off the ground. So you better have some fun in the process. And Ian, I know you're very familiar with this sort of, I don't know what it is. It's like a parable or a folktale. It's like you are the average of your five best friends, right? You know, if you're putting yourself around people who value corporate careers and stuff like that, you're way behind the ball. I mean, you've got to put yourself in a network. You're going to supercharge the amount of support and positive vibe and great information that you get on how to do this. I mean, I really believe, Ian, that if you want to hack this stuff, that's the ultimate hack. I mean, if you can get yourself in a group of friends that everybody is a location-independent entrepreneur, what are the chances that you're going to fail at that within the next 12 months? Pretty low. I think I've, I've failed at this before, and I, I don't know necessarily what the best way to go about this is. I mean, for us right now, it's a mastermind call. But organizing that can be a little bit tricky, but I do encourage people to get out there on uh, Craigslist and try to form mastermind groups. I encourage people to go to meetups. Um, you know, you'll meet a lot of people, uh, you know, hundreds of people. Only a few of those people will probably be the quality and caliber that you're looking for. But it's, it's really tough to pull together this kind of new circle of uh, people that are going to help you along in your journey that probably aren't your friends, absolutely aren't your friends. Yeah. And, and it's really tough, but I, I do encourage people to, to write Craigslist ads for this stuff. I'll link to two posts that are extremely helpful. Charlie Hohen's post, which we already mentioned, and Tynan from TynanGut.com just wrote an excellent blog post about essentially networking up. There's a whole theory around this. Like, you definitely want to like network into crowds that are 
people that are more successful than you, people that know more than you, this kind of stuff. How do you do that? Oh, how do you crack that puzzle? Well, there's a lot of like standard faux pas that people make all the time. Like one great one is, it, it, you know, this is a whole other podcast. I don't want to get into it too much. But, you know, if you want to be friends with somebody, Ian, you can't ask them for stuff. You know, like, you know, like, you know, the first, you know, it's, it's the whole thing. Like you can't be trying to sleep with your new friends on the first date. You got to, you got to let it let it percolate a little bit. So, I mean, there's a lot of great advice in Tynan's article here, but I think networking via blogs and via the internet is a great way to find your new group of friends. I mean, we're seeing a lot of people in our network having highly effective friendships and masterminds um, by pulling together, you know, people's through people's blogs and online businesses. So I think there's a great real opportunity there. Yeah, this uh, Tynan uh, article that we're going to link to, I think everybody should read that article before you write emails. I mean, I, I, for me, it's like, a, it's like a great tool before I try and approach like a new client or a customer or even a friend. I mean, it's just really, really good stuff to live by. Yes, this is the kind of proof I want to put on the table. I mean, Ian and I have met with people that, this, this is interesting, and I think you want to ask yourself this question. Um, we've met with people in part because of podcasts, in part because of the emails that we've written with people that I can't even sort of gesture like who they might be because I think mentioning them on the show would like violate that intrinsic trust of like, I'm, I'm not going to say on Twitter, just had coffee with X. It was great. You know what I mean? Like you can't pimp out like relationships with people that you highly value, you know, and that you're trying to, you know, get yourself into their network. Like that's not how that works. You know what I mean? And so, um, you gotta be careful. You gotta be their peer. And so like when you meet with somebody that's like high powered, they're not going to be like, just met with jerk off guy who does the lifestyle business podcast. It was fantastic. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, need a little strategery, huh? A little bit of strategery goes a long way. <laughs> Number four, your business idea is too broad and has way too many moving parts. People are way too ambitious out of the gate, Ian. I think here's the thing you need to be able to identify your first project product out of the gate in one sentence. What is it and what problem does it solve in one freaking sentence? And then you need to focus all of your energy on bringing that to the market. That's it. Don't tell me how many employees you're going to have. Don't tell me how much capital you need. Don't tell me how many domains you're going to have. Don't tell me all this stuff. Tell me one friggin' sentence. What are you going to do? And then spend the next two months doing it. That's it. Do it fast. Do it often. And don't write a blog while you're in the damn process of this. You know. And, and I deal with this a lot with people trying to get their stuff off the ground, man. It's like way, way way too complicated. Just one simple needlepoint sentence. What are you going to do? Then go do it. And don't do anything but that until you fail. I want to relate this to products just real quick here because I'm a product guy. As you know, uh, you look at most inventions um, that happened throughout the throughout the last century. Most of these inventions are like super, super simple inventions. You know, We're not talking about like levers everywhere and wheels and all this stuff. I mean, the car in itself is like a, a pretty sophisticated machine, but the inventions within it are pretty simple. So I think uh, people really just need to concentrate on distilling their ideas into these simple, simple parts and executing on them. Because uh, you can make a business out of building an alternator, which is a fairly simple product. Number five, you aren't putting your hours in. You know, I think so many people, Ian, they underestimate the incredible amount of effort, to, you know, required to get a business off the ground. 
you know, you really, really got to jam. I mean, wake up earlier than people around you. Go to bed later. Exercise better. Eat more productive food. I mean, you got to you gotta find ways to get these hours in. And there's no substitute for the effort and hours. There are, I mean, there are some hacks. There's get a business partner, get employees, all this stuff. But, man, I mean, if you can combine the hours with the focus, like we talked about in point number four, you know, you get it. You get it. And there's a lot of people that I just see just dilly-dallying, you know, dilly-dallying with these hours. And maybe it's because they don't have that clear one sentence. Once you get that one sentence, man, it's like put the beer down, cancel the party, turn off the TV. It's game time, baby. you got to put those hours in. And let me, let me just add this. If you are finding yourself not enjoying what you're doing and that's the reason why you're not putting in the hours, that's not going to change. Not going to change. So ever. Not going to change. Boom. Number six, you think a guru could help your business more than a customer. I'm sick of people trying to buy them with themselves in the businesses, man. No guru is going to help you. If you want it, your guru is your customer. Trust me on this, okay? Find somebody that you can sell something to, sell it to them, and treat them as if they were the guru. Call them. Get them on the phone. Survey them. Figure out what their deepest desires are. They are your guru. No freaking internet marketer is going to teach you this process. So I'm sick of gurus. I'm sick of internet marketing. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It makes me angry. Stop spending freaking money on this stuff. Find a customer and sell them something. I don't care what it is. Sell them, their, sell them your time. Sell them you as, a, as an employee. Sell them anything. I don't care. That's what it is to be an entrepreneur. Sell your customer stuff. Treat them as your guru. We found a uh, guru this week. Actually, we're getting ready to launch a new product line. And so what we did was uh, we just called up out of the blue and emailed out of the blue a bunch of potential customers that we found on the internet. And some of these guys wrote us back essays about what this product should be that we've been developing for the past uh, basically two or three months now. And uh, we got some really good feedback um, pre-production that we're going to incorporate into our product and into our sales and marketing. We're going to be building a better product and they are, like you said, the guru. Boom. That's incredible. And th- how much did that cost you? An illustration? Uh, zero. Are you, wait. You, and by zero, did you mean four monthly installments of $300? Or Yeah. I mean, the amazing thing about this is like how willing people are to help you out. I mean, when, I mean really, um, you know, you and I respond to emails all day long, right? So somebody will ask us a question. We will uh, shamelessly write them back. Uh, three paragraphs uh, for free, right? And the reason we like to do that and the reason we do that is because uh, we enjoy sharing the information. And the same thing goes with with people in other industries too. You catch somebody that's an expert at something, uh, chances are, unless they're an asshole, they're going to want to share that with you because they enjoy seeing that kind of information spread to new people who have new ideas. And so what I'm getting at here is that people love to share. And so if you can tap in, if you can figure out a way to tap into people sharing button, uh, you're going to get a lot of value for free. Number seven, our final point, Ian, it's almost sad to see it go. You don't really want to be an entrepreneur. I, you know, I, I think so many people, they're like, it's like, I don't know, it's cart before the horse or whatever. They see like, people having a bunch of money and traveling the world. And it's like, yes, I want that. But they never really bone up to the actual reality of what it means to be an entrepreneur. And let me, let me give you some of those realities. We're talking about hustling up business. We're talking about cold calling prospects. We're talking about 
cold sweating in the middle of the night because you got an email that told you your bank's not going to give you a loan or you're not going to make payroll. We're talking about teaching yourself difficult programming languages that can take years to learn. We're talking about selling stuff to people. We're talking about customer service. We're talking about working your ass off for years on end. We're talking about competing with other human beings. We're talking about hiring and firing employees, getting contract workers, managing people, getting screwed over, not paying your rent. This is what it means to be an entrepreneur. Do you know entrepreneurs who don't do this stuff? Let me tell you something too about this whole list that you just rattled off. I got more. I got more, Ian. I got more. I got 50 more. Those are all pain points once you're an entrepreneur. But just just remember, I think that the reason you became an entrepreneur was one bigger pain point uh, that we all came to at one point, which is I'm not working for some other dude, right? I'm making my own way through this thing. And so, uh, you know, those might be all the pain points uh, after you start a business, but those are much more palatable than uh, working for the man. Hey, and you know what? You know, I'm okay with working for the man that's like bringing you along your way. My pain point, man, was like I wanted to do stuff that I thought was meaningful. I wanted to do things that were making a difference in my life, giving me more freedom, more information, more opportunities, you know? And like I just – like we talked about earlier, man, I just won't put up with this whole idea of, you know – trading 10 meaningless empty hours for a paycheck i'm sorry like you got to do better than that you got to care more you got to get on the blogosphere start hustling up a job with somebody that's going to give you real skills real information real passion i mean jobs are okay man i think it's a great way to learn but i i you know i don't think it's cool to do stuff you don't care about and i think that that was the ultimate pain point man it's like we didn't want to stand around get the party with the beer in our hand and talk about what some great athlete did on the weekend in the football game, and then just be the next guy in the room, be the next anonymous, be the person who can't travel that weekend, be the person who can't afford. You know, I used to, I used to pull my crappy Eclipse, you know, four-cylinder into the gas station and pay for the $10 worth of gas, not a full tank, on a credit card. And, you know, I was standing there with the credit card at the tank, man, and I was like, I don't want this. I don't want this life. I don't want to be stuck in this city. I don't want to be paying for half a tank of gas with a freaking credit card. And that, to me, was my pain point. And, you know, uh, that's where all this stuff comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke section. Ian, me and you are both anti-consumers. But how about we just share um, with some links on the blog to two or three purchases that we've made in the last couple months that, you know, net-net improved our lifestyle. Yeah, initially we said we have four. Actually, I'm going to add another one here that I am staring at right now that is one of my proudest purchases in the last year. Let's get started on that one. Um, actually, it was a gift, and uh, I got a new MacBook Pro, which is uh, pretty high up on the list. I don't know if I've talked about that yet. Where's the applause button? So that's pretty sweet in itself. And then uh, with that MacBook Pro, I needed to get a new laptop bag. So the one that I ended up getting, which I highly recommend, I think this is hands down the best laptop bag on the market. I haven't experienced any of the really high-end like Tumis yet, but um, maybe in the future I will. Anyways, this is um, 
this is the Targus bag, and it's called the TSA bag. So basically, there's a uh, large zipper in the center that opens up, kind of like a uh, garment bag, so you can uh, set your laptop on it and have it go into the conveyor belt. Anyways, that's not the most important feature of this uh, product, but it is kind of cool. The most important feature is that there's these um, rubber bumpers on the inside of the bag, and it basically suspends your laptop. You know those like egg drops that you did when you are in science class? Yeah. I was good at those. It basically does that to your laptop. So your your laptop's basically in this um, in this cushion, which makes it perfect for travel. And then on the front of it, there's like a million different compartments for, for your power supply, your earbuds, your passport, zippers galore. I mean, it's just a very, very awesome bag. And it's super lightweight, too. Boom. I love that. I love having something that just really meets your needs, especially the bag. Really critical. Everybody knows I'm a North Face Surge bag fan fanatic that was the bag that sort of got me into this lifestyle it was like actually you know the first purchase i made when i got into lifestyle i was like i need a bag and went out and got the north face so i'm very interested in checking out your targets when you get here to asia a couple things i just want to run down that i bought recently ian i bought noise canceling headphones and actually bought a cheap pair to get started um maybe next time you send me a big paycheck which who knows when you're going to do that if ever but if you do one of the things I might splurge on is one of those really nice set of Bose noise-canceling headphones. Right now, i got a pair of $70 Sonys. They've been fantastic. I had no idea the amount of noise that I was listening to on airplane flights. But plus, I listened to the music all day long on my, on my iTunes. And having these noise-canceling headphones is just fantastic. They fold down cleanly in my bag. So if you're curious about noise-canceling headphones, I really encourage that you go to the local shop and test them out. I found that they, I get a lot of use out of them. I use them for hours on end every day. And they've really improved my life, you know, to, to say net-net. A couple other just quick things I want to say. Kindle, baby got to get a Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle yet, just get it. I was just talking to my best buddy. He was one of those book holdout guys, and now he's a silly Kindle fanatic. And so he just he just toppled like a cheap deck of cards. Get yourself a Kindle. They're fantastic. They're better than books. And finally, uh, I think a good pair of sandals, Ian, is pretty critical, especially if you're going to be a globe-hopping entrepreneur. We were featured on the Huffington Post the other day. They said we were entrepreneurs and flip-flops. That's true. I don't ever wear shoes. I wear Croc sandals. They're expensive, but I think if you chuck down the coin on them, they're worth it. You know. So I absolutely think that these are the nicest pair of sandals that I've ever worn, and I recommend them to everybody. And, and as always, our ultimate recommendation is that you go make a cold call. Thanks for joining us on the program. We look forward to hearing from you via the blog comments on Twitter, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me, Ian. Booyah! Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.